This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. And this is a very special Why Always Us, your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic, to celebrate City making their very first Champions League final. Sam, um, it's it felt like a momentous occasion last night. Well, yes, because it was. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it did. And I, I don't know. Like it, There wasn't... And I think it sums up the kind of journey that City have been on as a team over the years, like, as a club, under Pep. And even as a journey within this season, and I know saying the word journey is a bit wanky, isn't it? But um, I, I, I do think last night summed up where they are now as a team and the situation they're in, in being in the Champions League final. And by that, I mean, there wasn't a moment, there wasn't a big release of tension. There was almost, obviously, apart from the nerves around, you know, in the, the fans, there, I don't think there was any kind of tension at all among the players. There was no... You know, like thinking back to that Liverpool game in in the 2018-19 season in January, there was no full-time release of "oh, thank God that's over." It was just it wasn't fully controlled. Of course, the first half was slightly patchy, but they just kind of they sailed through. Yeah, um, and that's I think that's why it felt so momentous. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't tension in the game like there was against Real Madrid last year because I, I would have said on the podcast. There was a proper atmosphere in that ground, even though there was no fans there. Like the Madrid bench and Ramos in particular were really like whipping things up. And I think the City bench and the City analysts in particular, because the analysts were sat behind the Madrid bench, they were kind of responding. And it was very tense and very edgy. And I think that was probably born out of the fact that maybe City themselves didn't know what to expect because they'd come through the post lockdown end of season in the Premier League and obviously went out of the FA Cup. And they'd had their same problems, hadn't they? They'd win some games 5-0, but then you could never tell what was around the corner. And I think there was that tension inside the ground against Real Madrid. But I think I don't, I don't think they had that tension last night going into the game. I think they were fully confident of what the game would be like and what, what they had to what do. What they needed to do and how they were going to go about doing it, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's... So it was momentous as a, as a game, as a moment, in terms of reaching the Champions League final, but there weren't huge moments within the game really like other than obviously the, the goals but it was just it was just a sign of how much the team has grown yeah well uh, you can get all of the reaction to that win against PSG and uh, any of the uh, previews and reviews and everything for the Champions League final uh, with The Athletic by subscribing now for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months that's 40% off full price you'll get access to great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of the podcasts as well so just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod to get that discount um, obviously Sam, like uh, the fact that City have now made a Champions League final, it's been it's that that's that's always for me as a fan. It's always been a little bit of a monkey on the back that they've never done it in this competition. It's always the stick that's been used to beat them with. And like we said on last week's show, even if they don't win the competition now, it, it feels like a, like they've turned a corner. Is that actually just not true anymore? Do they now need to go on and win it? Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it's Real Madrid well, or Chelsea. Well, I mean, yeah, they are. And should be favourites. And like when the draw was made, well, when we knew it was going to be PSG, I think I probably said on the podcast, this is the toughest test they will face now in the rest of the season. Like that will be harder than the final. And I stand by that. But I mean, look, we were saying in terms of, you know, the kind of mentalities change and the narrative change and next season, you know, fans won't be worried about another Leon or Guardiola overthinking or whatever. They will be thinking, okay, right, another semi-final. But we were talking about even if they didn't make the final, we were saying, look, the fallout, if they had have lost the game last night, would have been brutal, but the narrative would have changed a bit. You know, they would have got to another semi-final. They would have looked more confident in doing so. There would have definitely been things to build on and there'd be more confidence that they could do it rather than, oh God, are they going to go out of the quarterfinals again? But I mean, yeah, obviously now, if they if they don't win the final 
I mean, like, I mean, I don't even need to say it. huge disappointment. If you lose a final, then you're going to be gutted. Like, it, fans were gutted losing the semi-final to Chelsea in the in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I mean, I, I stand by the fact that the narrative has changed and they've got to the final now. And look, you'll be able to, you know, you can build it in the way that Chelsea got to the final in 2008 and they lost and it took them a while to get back there, but they won it four years later. Um, and this is the, like... It, Everything that's happened over the last few years has been put into context a bit now by City getting into the final because, and this is what's in my article, you know, Monaco, Anfield, Aguero missing the penalty at Spurs and then everything that happened in the second leg against Spurs. Leon and like, Sterling's miss against Leon. All of that now is kind of like ghost laid to rest a bit because yeah. it's like, it's just part of the journey. It's, on the, the it's, it's like it's on the other side of the door, isn't it? The door's been closed on that chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are experiences they needed to go through, and it's almost like last night wouldn't have happened if they hadn't have done that. You know, this is a team that you know only started playing in the Champions League ten years ago. Yeah, nine, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven was the first uh, first game. Yeah, so it's eleven seasons, or it's it'll be the eleventh season next season. Yeah. Pep always talks about eleven seasons in a row in the Champions League. So yeah, like you need you need that and that's that was the point Guardiola was making when he came in was he, he was like you can't just like start from scratch in the Champions League you can't, you can't just qualify and win it you need to you need to learn to suffer in all these things and again that was a message he came back to ahead of the game but I think before when he was saying about oh you need to suffer in these games it was a kind of like a warning to the players like lads you do know you're gonna have to do this yeah you've got, you've got to dig like, in and oh, work oh. yeah but, I mean and like, oh, I don't know but like <laughs> this they did like whereas when he said it on Monday before the game, it was. I'm sure they know now. They know how they know they're going to suffer. He knows exactly what they mean, and they know exactly what they've got to do. And as we saw, particularly in the first half when City weren't playing so well, but even in the second when they were called upon, the defence like that was well. They were four fantastic individual performances from all the defenders. Um, that, that's how you suffer. That's how you win. And like it's the kind of well, it's the kind of thing you were saying. Before City turned around, do you remember after the we talked about the solid defence back in December? Yeah, and you were like, "Are they going to grind their way to the title?" And I was like, "I don't, I, was like, I don't think they're going to grind their way to the title playing like this." But that solid defence could certainly help, and I, we might have said it might help in the Champions League. But I didn't realise I was so prophetic at times. You know, it's uh, it's <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I you know, stop clocks and all that. Um, the, the the interesting part of this game, Sam, you're really going to have to help me out because to give some some context to listeners here, um, I'm away this week and uh, I'm in a remote part of the country which has absolutely no signal for you know phones, no uh, 4G, 3G, anything like that. Uh, but we do have Wi-Fi, except. Just after Mares scored the second goal, the Wi-Fi went down and has only just come back on the next day. So I haven't seen anything of the end of the game. I've not. I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of this blind right now. Um, what was the end of that game like, Sam? I, in my head, what I imagine was was City had got themselves into in, into the two 0 lead on the night, four one on aggregate, and they were just able to kind of play it out because that's what they've been doing this season. Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, I'm just going to read the, the WhatsApp messages I sent to you for the for the benefit <laughs> of the, the DIR, if you've been watching Nine of Duty. 2-0, uh, City taking the piss, N- new message, PSG fouling. That was it. Like, City were kind of sucking them in, waiting for them to make the, the tackles, but, which was a dangerous game because PSG was just going around butchering everyone. Um, you tweeted, you know, imagine, imagine if City could count now, and obviously... And I, I kind of steered away from it because I was like, oh God, maybe they actually will. <laughs> and obviously they did. Like that second goal, um, obviously you saw the second goal, but um, I re- somebody asked me what I was thinking as it happened. And I can't remember at what point it was during the move. I can't remember if it was when Foden had it on the left or when the ball came into De Bruyne. But I was literally like, sat back in my chair thinking, like safe in the knowledge that I was like, well, they're not going to score this, but I won't be vexed about it because I'm just, you know, I'm comfortable with it. I'm at peace with it. They're not going to score, but they're going through anyway. So fine. And then they did. I was like, "What a goal!" Yeah. Um, they should have had. They should have had a few more of those. Um, Mares could have had a great hat trick, and it's not even a criticism of him. He was like down on the line. I can't remember who it was. If it was Danilo who'd come on at left back or Kim Pembe, it was that kind of body faint where he fainted back towards the halfway line. The defender went with him, and then he shot off down the touchline in the other direction, and he was in behind, and he cut inside into the box. And did the shot get blocked, or Navas saved? I think the shot got blocked because. That's not on the highlights. But if he'd have scored that, 
what a hat-trick goal it would have been. Yeah. Foden had a couple more efforts that clipped the outside of the post. But, I mean, for about five minutes, um, I don't know if it was like 65 to 70 or 70 to 75, there was just a, there was just a foul every 30 seconds. Um, and look, I mean, everyone remembers this, but I'll, I'll do it less in the tone of this is what happened and more in the tone of wasn't this great. So, like, Fernandinho, <laughs> like, bollo- Fernandinho, like, bollocking... Zinchenko, because Foden got fouled when Foden got fouled, and like Herrera did, Foden, did Herrera like kick the ball at Foden or just like have a go at him or something? And I, then I honestly, Zinchenko, I, like, li- literally, in. mate, I can't tell you. I haven't seen anything after that goal, so like, on, I, yeah, all, no, I, all, all I've seen is the fallout online. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, so like Herrera was doing his usual bullshit, and like, Zinchenko had had enough of it, and he went mad. But like Fernandinho went mad at him, and like reminding him, he was like, just fucking calm down, like. There's there's no point in getting involved. It's that classic, you know. We've all done it in five aside or or sun, Sunday mornings. Like, don't get involved, lads. Like, yeah, leave we're it, Alex. It. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, like, it's just soccer. Normally, um, I was on the other end of that. We were the ones like trying to get games abandoned by like kicking the ball out of the six aside arena <laughs> because we didn't want to concede any more goals and kicking it into the bushes behind. But like, it's yeah, don't get involved. And then a couple of seconds after that, over on the other side, Mares got into it with someone and like, um, Guardiola was shouting at him and like Walker was really shouting at him. He was like, Riyad, Riyad. He was like, why? I can't remember exactly what he said. I've got a note of it somewhere. I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Um, But they were all just making sure they kept their heads no, that was he said, Riyad, come on. As in, like, you know, you're better than that. You don't you don't need to do it. Like the game yeah. is won. Don't get yourself sent off. Don't get yourself involved. And it was just great to see. Again, if we're talking about mentality, we're talking about leaders, Fernandinho, Walker, obviously Guardiola on the sidelines. Or you Gundogan, especially yesterday, he gave the ball away a couple of times, like really noticeably. But overall, he was fantastic. And the little body body swerves to get out and get City out of different uh, out of difficult areas and get them off the pitch. Just that for like the last 15, 20 minutes. Fernandinho, I'm convinced again, which it makes no sense this time because he had nothing to gain from it. But I'm convinced that Fernandinho was trying to get booked. I'm convinced <laughs> he wanted to get booked and he didn't. But it, but it, like, by the end of the game, and I tweeted this, like he wasn't just getting away with a yellow card after committing a foul, which we've seen countless times. Like He was fouling and the ref wasn't even giving the fouls by the end. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I did say in our um, City fans WhatsApp group uh, at halftime, I am I, I, I am surprised that we have got away without having a yellow card here at some point because I, even not even Fernandinho on his own, but there was there was it was like a systematic City thing to make sure that PSG would not counter, and there was a couple of times when I thought, oh, that's that's a bit lucky there to, uh, to 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 escape the yellow, and then like almost like there was a couple of times Fernandinho just body checked somebody off the ball, yeah. <laughs> and just yeah, just yeah. completely disrupted their their style of play and and like it's very easy for, for people listening to this to go well that's that you know that that's that's a very cynical take on how City were playing but I feel like it's I, f- I feel like these two legs have been a very grown up performance from City and I was reading because I was reading uh, earlier this morning as well that, that PSG's uh, final shot on target in the game was about 25 minutes into the first leg and so the fact that I mean, you look at the blocks that Stones and and Diaz were making, especially in uh, in the second leg, and you look at the way that City were winding up PSG at the end of the first leg. It just felt like like even if even at the times when City weren't in control of the game, they were they were in control of the tie, and that makes no sense. But uh, but you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, like so in the first half, and like just to say, City did end up with two bookings in the end. I think it must have been after. After your Wi-Fi went down, Zinchenko yeah. got booked for that argument, and De Bruyne—I can't remember what De Bruyne got booked for, but I think it was a proper stopping the counter attack kind of thing. De Bruyne got booked in the first leg. Yeah, but he's not banned from the final. Is he not banned? Not um, banned. It's like a three bookings situation now. I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's not banned from the final. Okay. It's all right. Um, so yeah, so the, yeah, in terms of City kind of controlling it, even when they weren't playing too well, like do you remember what I said about the the first half last week? When I tweeted at half time and everyone was pretty pissed off with the performance and City were losing, I was like, "Look, they didn't open themselves up." Which, you know, as we've always said, you know, Tottenham, uh, Liverpool, Monaco, you know, if 
if City have gone a goal down or we had a setback in the past, they've gone to try and put it right and they've ended up leaving themselves open and, and making it much worse. And they didn't do that against PSG. So I was like, well, at least they're in a position. Um, you know, they're still in the game. They're, they're, they're doing things right, even though they're not brilliant. And yeah. it was like, it was like, it was similar to that in the first half yesterday because they weren't great in the first half, but at the same time, obviously they scored and they were winning. Um, but like PSG, it was a bit like what I said about City last week in the first half. So City had a lot of the ball, but you know, like I said, they were kind of putting it in that U shape around the box. There was no penetration into the box. Um, they didn't really have it on the edge of the box much, and PSG had it a bit more on the edge, but they weren't creating too many good chances. Um, obviously, Marquinhos hit the bar. So when you see that, you know, the, the no shots on target thing, they, they had no shots on target over 90 minutes, which I hadn't noticed, but you're not looking out for. You know, because you could shoot from 30 yards and Edison could like, pick it out of the air easy and that's a shot on target. And that's less dangerous than Marquinhos hitting the hitting the bar with a header, isn't it? So you don't yeah. necessarily notice that. But they weren't creating chances left, right and centre, PSG. And even when City did get in difficult situations, so like when Gundogan gave the ball away stupidly and then Neymar was running and Walker was tracking back with him, but Stones definitely should have stepped in and won the ball, which is easy to say from you know 100 metres away or on TV or whatever. But Guardiola went mental at Stones for it. And that was when they it led to a free kick on the edge of the box. Then it went to a corner. And then I think that's when Marquinhos had the the head that hit the bar. That it looked a bit ropey then, and it looked like City were kind of not hanging on, but it looked there it was looked pressure, ropey, wasn't there? There was a lot of pressure. Yeah, but ultimately, and I said I have said this on another podcast, so apologies for not having various different opinions. But <laughs> there's not there's not there's not too many there's not too many games from earlier in the season that are at all relevant to how they play now but in the sense I was just talking about how PSG was nervy but City were okay it reminded me of the Liverpool game the one all draw against uh, Liverpool at the Etihad in November when City was still getting counted through Liverpool was swarming through the midfield but the back four and I've not checked since last time I said it but I think it was Cancelo left back Walker right back and Diaz and Laporte and all four of them individually had a great game like just blocks, headers, interceptions, tackles. They were all fantastic at that, even though the midfield weren't really stopping the counters. And obviously, if you think back to November, it was a big issue then, City and counter-attacks, and are they going to be able to stop this this season? And it looked like they weren't going to be able to on that, but at least they defended well. And that was kind of how the first 45 minutes against PSG went. It wasn't so pronounced, but there were a few times when they just passed the ball and they were behind Fernandinho and Gundogan. I was like... This has got to be the whole reason Fernandinho is playing. And he's got Gundogan next to him, who's really good at it as well. How is this happening? And that was a bit of a worry. But it wasn't did, that much of a worry because well, everyone remember, in the back four just went, nope, no problem. Yeah, I did remember thinking at half-time um, that I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said no if he wanted to introduce Rodri at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly the same. Um, I, thought, I actually thought, well, he's not going to do it at half-time. But, you know, in the, like I said recently, if you're coming off after an hour, you know you've had a shocker kind of thing. Um, and I, I was thinking may, maybe around an hour mark he might bring Rodri on but, I mean he got better in the second half didn't he Fernandinho and Pep said after the game he said especially in the second half he got better by the second half it was the Fernandinho would expect and even in, in the sense of you know getting people sent off winding people up keeping everyone calm on his team like riling everyone on the other team yeah. winning the ball back stopping counter attacks by fair means or foul by the second half it was what Pep was probably hoping for in the first but like, by that point the clock was just ticking down then. And before you know, before City scored, it was only... When did City score? 60 minutes? Let me have a look. I've got it right in front of me. 63 minutes. But it had been coming. Like, you'd obviously tweeted, and I was thinking exactly the same, don't get me wrong. Like, if City could counter-attack, this game would be brutal. Yeah. And there was still half an hour left when they did score. So they'd been threatening for probably 10, 15 minutes of the second half. And by that, you know, we were probably focusing on, oh, yeah, if they get another goal, it's definitely over. But, like, that tie was over. That was done. Like City, was, City just played it perfectly in the second half again in a very different way I think to how they did it in the second half in Paris it was just done and like, but the fact that like City were kind of sitting back in the first half and playing counter-attacking football in a 4-4-2 like if anything sums up the, the journey that the Guardiola's <laughs> had because yeah because again when they you know first season under Pep it's the accepted narrative and I think it's true that you know the players they were learning what he wanted from them some of them weren't up to it they got more players in they they knew what they needed to do. They won the league and they were amazing. And they all got used to what Guardiola wanted and that was perfect. 
But I don't I don't think it's been the case that it's taken them five years to get up to scratch with what Guardiola wants in the Champions League. There's been an element of that. But I think Guardiola's had to change a bit in terms of what he wants as well. And he's oh, kind I... of met, not necessarily met the players in the middle, but he's moved back towards, I hate using the word pragmatic, because Guardiola thinks pragmatism is keeping the ball far away from the goal. That's every bit as pragmatic as putting 10 men in front of your goal and you know parking the bus. So I don't want to use that word, but what we in English football and English football culture understand as pragmatism, Guardiola has become more pragmatic in that sense of he will be more defensive, he won't take as many risks, he will keep the games tighter. And like in the Premier League, you can have these learning curves because you've got the next game. And obviously halfway through the season, the light switch went on and they've not looked back. But if you have a setback in the in the Champions League, you're waiting a year to put it right because the yeah. group stages don't make any difference. Like you're not you're not really solving any of the problems that Leon or Spurs caused during the group stages. Like it needs to be it needs to be a full year down the line. So yeah, I think there's there's definitely been an element of City on a journey in the Champions League, but Guardiola as well for sure. Like I think he's changed, and you know he says before the games now, he, last the last two semi final games, he was like, look. It's what we can do. We've not thought too much about PSG. It's what we can do. And I think that's... I don't want to put words into his mouth because nobody's on the same wavelength as him, or very few people, and certainly not me. But I've, I think that's him saying, yeah, no more fucking three at the back, two defensive midfielders against Lyon. Yeah. yeah. I, I might be I'm... wrong, but I think that's him saying, look, we're, we're doing what we're doing here. Like, and look, there's been no, in inverted commas, overthinking from any lineup as there. As far back as Gladbach, we were thinking, what's he going to do here? And he's just picked the 11 players, false nine system that is going to get them through. And he might have played Cancelo, or he might have played Zinchenko, or he might have played Rodri, or he might have played Fernandinho. But I can't the overall think of system is the same. really changed. Yeah. It's all been there. And if there's any tweak, it's because he feels somebody didn't play well in the last game. So he didn't like Laporte. He didn't like Rodri in Paris, so he dropped him. He didn't like Cancelo in Manchester against Dortmund, so he dropped him. And then obviously there's room for that to come back in. So Fernandinho played well against Palace, so he put him in. Cancelo played well against Spurs, so he put him in last week. And then he dropped him again. But like, it's that. It's not, oh, let's play Gundogan on the right. Let's do this and try and surprise him. It's, no, 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 we're good at this. We know we're good at this. We've got the confidence. This is how we're going to do it. And look, it's one of those where you feel like you need to say, whoever they play in the final, and look, if it's Real Madrid, it's tempting to think, maybe he'll do something mad. But I really don't think he will. Yeah. Like if everyone's kind fit of, and available, I think he's going to play this again. I kind of wanted to tap into uh, what you've been touching on there, Sam, as well, because this season is very different in the Champions League. You look, like you, you look at the feel of those, uh, especially the Dortmund and the PSG tie. Those, the way that I was feeling as a fan watching that. I mean, I, I still had the nerves. I still had the, uh, the the trepidation about about it being a big game and you know City's previous performances in there. But they were they they're four examples now. They've they've got basically a a, um, a history of four games here that show that they are not succumbing to the problems that they used to succumb to in this in this competition. And it's not just yeah. four games; it's four in a row. And I think that's important. Yeah, um, because and the the funny thing is, and again in terms of the journey of the season. So after the Gladbach game, Guardiola didn't mention it, but then when he gave that great press conference. When he, you know, he how he'd been saying, look, I don't deserve any of the credit. It's all down to the players. And Jamie Jackson was like, "You must take some of the credit because you're brilliant." And he was like, "No, no, no." And he gave that great answer that went on for about five minutes. But in the middle of it, he said, "When he was like, I wouldn't have signed the contract if I didn't think we could be better." And he said how he normally does, completely off the cuff. He goes, "Even after the Gladbach game, I thought we don't have what it takes to go into the latter stages of the Champions League unless we improve some things." And after the Dortmund game. The first leg, I think my article was a kind. I think my article was something like, they did all this brilliant stuff, but they did all this worrying stuff, and I'm not quite sure which way this is going to go. But um, I think probably in hindsight, that Dortmund game was probably the same as the first 45 minutes in Paris, in the sense that it might not have been a classic, but they did a lot of stuff right. Yeah. Um, and they've grown since then. So the second leg going behind, again, first 15 minutes didn't look great. And look, maybe that's something to look forward, not, not look forward to, but look out for in the final. Weren't great for 15 minutes against Dortmund, uh, but then rallied and they were fine, which is obviously a good thing. And then it was the same against PSG. And like over two legs, not so bad. But in a final, they will, they'll want to watch out for that. But what you would be heartened by, going back to the first leg against Dortmund and the first leg against PSG in the first half, even those worries... 
and this is the overall thing of what you're saying about the four games in a row, even those worries, they fixed. And the other worries were just us on the outside from a very Murphy's Law kind of situation of if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. Just from, you know, that's how football fans are. That's how... I think football fans in general, but I think it's probably fair to say City fans. You know, there's in, always the the typical the typical City element. In fairness, that's like, how that's how the Champions League is for City. Other than these, the, other yeah, than yeah, this yeah, season, sure. that's how it's been. Well, yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't. I don't think you can knock people for for kind of feeling. Oh no, oh, here we go again, sort of thing. Yeah, I wasn't saying and you like, were, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And so was and like that's what I was feeling. So like whenever I talked about you know the Dortmund game, I was like, well, look, City should win if everything. You know, if they take their chances and they avoid mistakes at the back and. They will win, but how many times does I say, "Oh, if Haaland scores a goal out of nothing," but like that—that's a very footbally phrase. Scores a goal out of nothing, and he does. Like, he does have very few touches. He is very clinical around the box. But Philip Lahm wrote that column for the for the Guardian. I can't remember the exact phrasing he used, but it was something about football managers. You know, they're kind of worried about the the things you can't control in football, and Guardiola tries to dominate them. And that's why it's we talked about countercultural before in terms of how he uses substitutions and people are like, why isn't he bringing subs on? And why doesn't he want to do this? And why doesn't he want to change the game? Because he doesn't want to change the game generally. And that's alien to how we think about football in this country and quite possibly in most countries in the world. And I think that's very similar in terms of how they approach those semifinals, oh, the quarterfinals, and how we looked at it. Because we were thinking, Haaland can score a goal out of nothing. Mbappe can score a goal out of nothing. Neymar can score a goal out of nothing. But nothing doesn't exist like if you yeah. give them nothing they can't score how many times i can't remember how many touches harlan had did he have like eight touches in that second leg yeah there was there was barely like, any touches and then you look at uh, and like neymar did nothing in the second half last week and mbappe he had that one that one chance where he was especially dangerous where he got down the right and crossed it and Verratti nearly scored which again talk about fine margins but over the two legs you know there weren't enough fine margins there to argue that psg deserved anything more than what they got so if you give a player nothing, they cannot score from it. Yeah. And that's how I think that's we were looking from it in the in the sense of worst case scenario might happen and these quality players might do something outrageous. But we have to get back to the fact that, like I said before the Dortmund game, and this helped put me into perspective really, because I was thinking, oh yeah, well City might open up spaces and Dortmund could exploit them. But when I spoke to the guy who was like the Dortmund reporter or a Dortmund reporter, and he was like, our guys are shitting themselves. <laughs> like, the league's not going well. And they just think, off the record, obviously, like, playing City now could really derail their season if they get battered. And it's like, we must, like, what must we, like, <laughs> we're thinking about what they might, what other teams might do if they get a chance. Like, what must other teams be thinking about what City can do? Like, it must be absolutely brutal yeah. to face them. And I think that's what we now need to realize. I mean, look, we know they're a great team, but I think we can be more confident as fans and media that city look in football something mad can happen and we like that that is football but but city, city know what they're doing the they? chances <laughs> yeah city minimize the chances of something mad happening to such a degree now where the big difference was always people would always say about guardiola i think this might have been something Lam had mentioned before and if not then it was something in our article about overthinking and whether he does or he doesn't it was always he can control the fine margins in a league campaign and maybe there's a, a golf in quality or whatever, but over a league campaign, you can control those fine margins. In the Champions League, you just can't. Well, you can, and he has. And look, they might not win the final because fuck knows what's going to happen. But that's how they've got there. Yeah. There's the same certainty now when you watch City play PSG and Dortmund as you get when they play, I don't know, Spurs, Arsenal, West Ham. West Ham's a bad example because they were shit in both games against West Ham this season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter now. They can control games and variables in the Champions League in the same way that they have in the Premier League and I'm not look we'll talk about this if City win the final where they go from next season but this is a winning formula this yeah. is a winning formula and look if City don't win the final everyone's going to be gutted and it's going to be it might be a case of what's gone on there but look if City don't win the final we know how it's going to look don't we yeah. it's not going to yeah. be Another, it's not going to be another FA Cup semi-final where they're shit. It's not going to be that. They will, if they don't win it, they'll miss chances, and the other team will have 0.4 xG and they'll score two. Something like it'll be something like that. I'd be amazed if it was otherwise. And look, if Chelsea in particular out, were to outplay City, 
then fine. But I don't expect that to happen. And if that's the case, then I think we could look at it and say, crushing disappointment, of course. But that's not if that's ninety minutes of football. That can happen. And the overriding trend is that City will be back next season and they will do it again. Um and that that's how I feel. And like yeah. I thought, like I said, before the PSG game, I said this will be the toughest test and if they get past PSG they should win it and they should win it and look we'll see who they play I'd rather they play Real Madrid because it's more interesting I think I don't think you want to play another English team uh, Rio Ferdinand said on the the highlights yesterday um, not that too many people want to hear from Rio Ferdinand generally when it comes to City but he did say he said look I've played in an all English Champions League final he said it's horrible there's just so much extra pressure and I'm not sure I'm not sure it will be quite the same this time around it's not quite like because if you think about 2008 you know, Chelsea and United were kind of proper like ding dong rivals, and City and Chelsea haven't really got that. Yeah, and it's, it'd be different if it was Liverpool or something mentality. like that. I guess. Oh, that would fuck me. Can you, <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm so happy that that's not the case. But I mean, it, I think it would be horrible. It wouldn't be fun. I don't even like the idea of the final being in England if it were to be moved. But um, that's all hypothetical now. That's but at the moment, to be fair. Yeah, it is. But also, to be fair, so I mean, I'm I'm waiting for a call back from UEFA, but there's a bit floating around online already um, that Istanbul, well, Tur- the Turkish government have told UEFA that it's fine, and even though they've got the fucking strictest lockdown in Europe, they can still have the Champions League fa- final there, and there'll still be fans. But that's a shambles. Like, if if fans are like spectators, if fans are people who live in Istanbul, I mean. It sounds a bit no it's not elitist this the fans should be fans yeah like city fans chelsea fans real did fans should be able to fly to where it is and look this is covid so it's very difficult you might have to i don't know whether you have to provide proof of a vaccine or at least a negative test and look maybe the clubs have to put on the bubbles like they did for wembley and it's a train but now you know they put you on a plane they put you on a bus from the plane to the hotel you stay in the hotel which is shit but you know what are you are going to do it's a sacrifice you have to make to reach a champions league final as a fan if if they can do, they should be able to do that. Whether that's Portugal or whether that's whoever, whoever the countries that are going to be on the UK's green list, I don't know. But that should happen. Like it, it shouldn't be in Istanbul if fans can't go. Basically, at this stage, um, especially because the UK is doing so well. Yeah, um, and I'm sure you know Madrid. If it's Madrid, they could just just you know just negative tests, proper PCR negative tests, controlled bubbles. This is what the fan. This is what the football club should be paying for. And I know it's, Florentino Perez is going around with his begging bowl, but that's this is what the club should be paying for out of their own pockets. They should say, we're going to make sure you can get to the, this final in a safe location. And look, maybe they'll do it in Istanbul. Maybe they'll find a way to do it. But it seems the risk is too great. And although they've given the guarantees to UEFA, UEFA also had guarantees that the the City game against Gladbach would take place at the Etihad, and it didn't because it just, it just wasn't possible in the end. So I would like to think that the final will be moved if it's not possible to have fans there. But we will have to see. It's still early and I'll, I'll try and get a better answer on that. Just finally, Sam, uh, just want to look at uh, very quickly at how uh, the second leg was won, uh, specifically on uh, Riyad Mahrez, because I don't think well, we can... Well, let's talk about a few players. Well, I was going to say, I, I, don't, I, sure. I, don't think we can, I don't think we can not talk about Mahrez over these two legs, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he has, he he is a man who I didn't think when he signed for City was suited for City. Uh, I didn't see a lot in his first 18 months that suggested he was. And this last, this last, what, three months, four months or so, he has been a revelation to the point where, like we used to say of Raheem Sterling, when Sterling wasn't in the side, City looked worse off for it. He was the match winner. Well, that's Mares at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. Um, scored three of the four goals over the two legs. Um, could have had a great hat-trick. Uh, but like, when was the last time he cut inside and and hit it off a defender's shins? Or when was the last time he cut inside? When was the last time he dribbled off the back of the pitch? Like his turnaround this season has been incredible, and like it, it's weird in terms of my own view of Mares because obviously I did the story earlier in the season about the, the teammates having a go at him on a couple of occasions about being too greedy, which he denied. But you know, I stand by. But I think because partly because it's behind a paywall, and partly because you know Mares obviously retweeted saying it's not true, people kind of took that as a criticism of him. And me like slagging him off, but the article was a full-on kind of 
Like, if, uh, all the contexts you could, well, certainly that I could think of. So, like, in terms of De Bruyne having to go at him, I was like, well, De Bruyne is not the most constructive of captains. You know, he will bollock people, even if he's not really within his rights to do so. That's how he is. And I was like, well, Mares last season was probably in City's top three players. Um, this season, he's created more chances than anyone apart from De Bruyne, I think it was. like So, even back then, it, it was a... It was a very kind of a, f- a funny way to write a positive article, I-, I will admit. But there was a lot of stuff in there that's like he is still a very, um, a very important player for City. Even though you can't deny that he's very frustrating and he does stuff that he shouldn't really be doing. Um, so that was always the kind of paradox around him. But then, like obviously, it was as recently as March after he scored the winner against Everton. Well, I was like, well. I don't really care. Like, if he, yeah, he's come up with a winner there, but he needs to do it more often. Like, and and if he's not going to do it more often, then he should should think about selling him. But he's doing it more often. Like, yeah. And as, <laughs> as I've probably pointed out, um, I've, I think I've probably said it on at least two of our podcasts recently. Just in terms of credit, where is due? Now he is doing it more often, and ev- everything that everyone ever hoped he would be able to do, and he, and more because I'm sure people would have given up on him long before now. Like. I've seen a couple of jokes that you know the 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 rabid Algerian fans that have always supported him were right all along, and like in fairness, they were like, <laughs> they knew exactly like whether whether they were right for the wrong reasons or whatever. Like they always said, give him the ball; he's the best player in the team. He can do all this, that, and the other. And I mean, it's hard to argue against that now, even if that isn't the case. Like that is certainly how it looks. It's been fantastic, yeah. and it's like not it's his, the same not thing, his right like, foot got... as well. Yeah, um, funnily enough, so BT posted. They posted the thing where they kind of highlighted the voices and the shouts during the game. And it was quite good because when it fell to Mahrez, I think it was De Bruyne just shouted, shoot. Because obviously De Bruyne had just thought, I'm sick of people, you know. He goes, he was probably thinking somebody's going to cut and try and cut this back. Yeah. For a tapping <laughs> again. Like, and he was, it was just, just the idea that, that De Bruyne would shout, shoot there, when clearly it was the only option. It's very telling about both De Bruyne and, but also how City play. Um, but yeah, and like, because again, it was one of those things that happened in slow motion, and I was like, "Oh, not on his right foot, not on his right foot," and it was great. Like, it wasn't like the, it was a clean hit, but it wasn't like he did it with his left foot, you know, where it was just perfect technique. It was like, I don't know, like ninety percent perfect technique. Yeah, but it did exactly what I needed to do. Yeah, so right foot as well. Just and then yeah, the the fin- again the the second one finished. The the second one happened in slow motion, as it came across from Foden. You think. Well, I was actually thinking a bit Sterling. You know, he might he might scoop this over the bar. He might hit it at the keeper, yeah. and he just put, he just put the right height on it for for neither of those things to happen. Um, and it was just such a shame that he didn't get the hat trick in with that after that little shimmy on the touchline because it was just classic Mares. It was superb. Um, yeah. And yeah, he was so good over the t- well, particularly the second game. Um, good in the first leg as well, and just been just been so good and so consistent recently. Um, but like. There's an absolute roll call, an absolute roll call of people who are in a very similar boat. And you've got Foden, who was great, who again is threatening to score that best goal ever. And he, I'm convinced he's going to do it in the final. Oh, God, um, can you imagine? <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm, honestly, I, I, I'm convinced. And if he doesn't do it this year, it'll be next year. Like it, It's happening. It's it's absolutely happening. And then yeah. you've got like Bernardo and, and Gundogan who, who ran their asses off and just the little passes and the little dribbles and the body feints just to get them out of difficult positions. And like, De Bruyne, not his best, most devastating game, but there's probably an element of De Bruyne there. If we're thinking about that debate about our City better with or without De Bruyne, there might be an element there of De Bruyne coming back in and tailoring his game to how the rest play when he's not there. And he's not... And look, there's no point in putting crosses into the box because nobody's making those runs. Yeah. Like, Sterling's not even there anyway. So, like, the Sterling back post run... And De Bruyne's playing on the left more this season anyway. So, like, it's just a different game. So, he didn't have his best, most eye-catching game, but I think he's probably playing a slightly different approach at the minute. But his pass for Foden was inch-perfect in the same way... Was it his pass for Foden in the first leg against Dortmund? When it was just perfect into the path and then the cross went in and then it ended up going back to De Bruyne to score. But his pass was inch perfect and it was basically exactly the same again. And to be fair, Foden's pass to him was behind him and it slowed the momentum of the attack down again. De Bruyne dealt with it so well, like so well. He put the momentum back into the attack. Like, Foden had slowed it down and a worse reaction from De Bruyne would have seen that chance go begging. 
Um, but it was perfect. But then, if we're going to come on to the players who were every bit as good as Mares in the game, then it's the back four. So Zinchenko... I wanted to shout out Zinchenko because... Arguably um, man of the match, but like I don't know how you'd pick it. But he was just like so, just technically so clean. I've seen a lot of takes uh, about how was it what his 1.8 million looks like some of the best money City have spent again, and it's yeah. like, and they had no idea it was going to lead to this. Yeah, that's what's so brilliant about it. They never thought we're going to sign this guy. And look, like whenever they sign players like this, they probably think, well, if he can play for us in the Champions League semi final one day, then brilliant. But they're not expecting it to happen. You know, they're telling their agents before before they sign, look, this is what we're buying, yeah. Because they're, they're dealing with Brian Marwood for a start. They're not dealing with Cheeky Bakiristan. It's it's a different thing. It's a different setup. They're bu- they're being bought for CFG clubs. They're being bought to go on loan to aid their career. And why wouldn't you want to come to City and aid your career? It's a good move. He went on loan to PSV. He didn't go particularly well. He said he learned something in that in that um, loan period. Not to not to have a bad attitude in bad situations. Basically, um, you know, just keep smiling. And that's something Guardiola's talked about a lot. And we, we talked about it before, you know, could have gone to Napoli uh, when everyone was thinking, you know, is Alexis Sanchez going to go through? Is Johnny Evans going to go through? How long ago does that sound? Like, was Mangala going to leave? You know, it was, oh God, is Zinchenko still here? Like, could have gone to Napoli on loan, didn't happen. Got a few games, begrudgingly, after Mendy did his ACL, after Dalf got injured, after Danilo got injured, then he was like, okay, we'll try Zinchenko. I played him in that first game in Wolves in the Carabao Cup and he looked like a fish out of water. Like, no idea. As you'd expect. Like, he never played... Le- well, he said he might have played left-back before, but not like that. Just And then he didn't play too much. And then they were going to sign him to Wolves, and he was like, I'm not going. <laughs> and then got into the team only in February of 2018-19 did he get into the team as a left-back. And then they gave him a new contract in the number 11 shirt. And then last season, like everyone else, he wasn't up to much because the team was just not a unit. And that's why... Like that's why everyone looks so like they underperformed so much last year because the unit wasn't working. That's why they all look amazing now because the unit is working. And then they were going to sell him last summer and it didn't happen. And now he's great again. Like what a journey! That 1.8 million they could have never ever expected all of that to happen. And it's not even like a a rags to riches story because it's kind of rags to riches to rags to riches again. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. And he's so good. Like and even in the first half, so the pitch the, the pitch was all snowy. It was difficult to control it. He, there would be nerves, you would think. He's operating right along the touchline, so he's only got up the line to go or inside. But, you know, PSG are making those passes difficult. They're trying to stop Fernandinho and Gundogan getting on the ball. And also, he's down in his own corner often. And it reminds me of that move that I kept going on about when City played United in the Carabao Cup in January when De Bruyne, they went up the other end and De Bruyne hit the post from the outside of the box. It would have been an amazing goal. But it all started with Zinchenko right back in the left-back position. It looked like he could have hoofed it. He was thinking about hoofing it. Gundogan pointed up the pitch, said, get rid of it. And he didn't. He played it inside and City cut through them. And that's exactly what happened um, in the first in the first stages. But then for um, for City's second goal, it was a kind of, I think Foden might have made a tackle or lost the ball and it went back, and like Di Maria played it forward, and it just went to Zinchenko, and immediately, not even taking touch, he just pinged it to De Bruyne, and they were yeah. in. And that second goal doesn't happen if Zinchenko doesn't play that pass. And that was exactly how he was using the ball all game, and it's how he's been using the ball all season. It was fantastic. Um, I know I've talked a lot about him there, but I think he deserves highlighting. Um, all things being equal now, deserves to play the final. And I'm sure, even if Cancelo plays well in the next few games... I think these lads, you know, Guardiola will be thinking, now these are the lads that have got us there and these are the lads that will get us over the line in the final. So yeah. he was amazing. And then like, we'll, we'll get on to the main fella. Um, but like Stones, Stones does his job now in a way that is less eye-catching than Diaz often. He's just there, reliable, dependable. And like when Zinchenko made that block from Neymar and Stones and, and Diaz hooked him, like Stones would have blocked it anyway. He was right behind him. Like he's been so, he's been so good. Um, obviously, people were a bit worried about his mistake for England, and he looked a bit shaky after that. And you know, there were shouts about whether Laporte could come in for him. But Guardiola's obviously trusted the guy that's got him there, and he was great. And Walker, I thought, had his best performance for City. And I, the last time I said that was Real Madrid last year. Yeah. So he's putting in big performances in big games. And like you could just see the confidence. It was just like oozing out of him by the end of the game. Like he was just trying stuff. And it was coming. He was. He just looked so different. Like he was 
great, almost perfect. Um, there was there was one Diaz. moment with Walker. There was one moment oh. with Walker where um, I, I it was it was in the first half, and I remember thinking he intercepted a, a, a crossfield pass. Uh, it was along the ground, and if he'd missed it, I, I I can't remember who it was. Somebody would have been in behind him, uh, and he stepped up. And, and and made the interception. And one of the PSG midfielders spotted that he was going to do that and started to press that interception. And he f- he, he faked to, to basically boot it first time and cut inside yeah. into the centre circle. And suddenly he had like yeah. acres of space in front of him. And he took two or three touches. I think he pinged it left to De Bruyne and set City off on a, a again a failed counter attack. But it, it was it was that um, it was that coolness and calmness to, to to not only read the situation that was happening that he needed to make the interception, but what was going to happen next. And I was yeah. I was impressed with that. And I, just on John Stones as well, I want to read a message from uh, a friend of mine who uh, is in who is not a City fan and is in another WhatsApp group that I'm in of, uh, of old university friends. Um, with the quote, uh, John Stones' his mistakes have been eradicated this season and he's having one of his best seasons. He's quoted that from, I, I assume, one of the commentators. And then uh, just a string of laughing emojis. But it's true. It's, like, it's, yeah, it's the, the perception of him from the outside is still, is not what, is not what he is anymore. No. Um, and look, I don't know, maybe when he's in the, the England environment, it'll be different. But I mean... Who's asked? Like, who isn't different when they play for England? When, yeah. when they, they play for City. when they play for their clubs. Well, yeah, City in particular, but the clubs in general. Like, that's been England's problem forever. That's why they didn't win anything in the two thousands when they had like a truly like dream eleven, which you could run through now, but there's no point because that's the biggest tangent ever. Like, <laughs> he's yeah, he's just yeah, he's. Well, everyone knows how good a season he's had, and look, that goes back to him earning his place over Laporte, and people still thinking, oh, you know. He might not play in the derby, the nil-nil derby in December. And I was like, he's going to have to be like, Guardiola to, can't yeah. drop stones because he's earned his place in that team. And then the big kind of test back then was how his stones going to play in the derby. And he was one of the, he was one of the few City players to come out of that derby with any credit, really. Like he, he was really commanding. And it's just not look back. Like he's, he's been great. And yeah, there was a bit of a wobble recently. But again, if we're talking about City in the Dortmund game and the, the PSG first leg... It's about how you react to these wobbles, isn't it? And we all know that Stones hasn't been great at that. And yeah, he's he's, he's got that fine. in the locker now, and he's yeah. been great. And then and then yeah, and then there's Diaz. Like, just it was like a proper in terms of English football. You know, it was a a Terry Butcher. You know, Paul Ince, bloody made, bandage around the head, blood he on the shirt. He made a block with his of. face, mate. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even in the, in the first half, when it was he kind of down on the ground and he he stopped a low cross with a header. And then, yeah, made the block from that kind of acrobatic Herrera half volley on the edge of the box. But by that point, he'd already made two or three. And then it was like, this this guy's just blocking everything. They're just an absolute monster. And like a 90-minute performance that summed up everything that people have thought about him this season. And like the, the momentum behind him being player of the year or City's player of the year or whatever, it kind of, it kind of tailed off a bit recently. Not because he was in any kind of poor form in a similar way the Stones was, but I don't know, it just seemed like he wasn't quite as relentless in his performances maybe as he was in, you know, December, January when City really got it together. City, I, I tell you what it was. City stopped. City were keeping clean sheets week after week, and that stopped happening. Yeah. And I think that I think that probably uh, had a little bit of an impact. But it, it yeah, doesn't I mean, give it a, a, in the same yeah. way the Gundogan stopped scoring goals, and that yeah. and that train kind of slowed down a bit. But in terms of yeah, Diaz's performance last night, it was that was a proper okay. Yeah, this is the play, this is the player of the year again. And like, and again, like, there should be no difference between like if City win the Champions League, he should be on the Ballon d'Or shortlist because Van Dijk was. And this isn't me being, you know, trying to stoke up a rivalry. Like, I think Van Dijk's amazing, and he should have been on that shortlist. But there's no difference. Yeah, there's no, there's n- like, Diaz hasn't done anything different than 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 Van Dijk. Um, in terms of impact, look, Van Dijk. It's maybe better on the ball and the way he switches the play uh, is more more eye-catching. And, you know, he's a, he's a bigger, stronger bloke and he's nudging nudging people over and stuff. Um, and, you know, it's it's easy to see a kind of cult of personality to build around him. But, like, fundamentally, like I say, nothing is different to to what Diaz has done in terms of the impact, in terms of his performances. Like, if, if he inspires City to win the Champions League, and he will be one of the inspirational figures in City winning the Champions League, 
Like he's done, he's done it for the Premier League, and yeah, if he does it for the the Champions League, then he needs to be on that shortlist. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe it'll be that thing again where you know, every every summer we have that conversation, and Guardiola's asked about it, and you know, Bernardo Silva will pipe up saying City fans don't, City players, sorry, don't get the the, the recognition they deserve. Yeah. And maybe maybe that maybe that'll be the case again, but um, yeah. We'll Diaz's performance over the 90 minutes. Like, I think, again, it says everything. If Diaz got man of the match, then that says everything because it could have been Zinchenko, it could have been Walker, it could have been Mahrez. Like, Mahrez got two. <laughs> and, he, and, he, <laughs> like, and Diaz would have been man of the match. Like, you can't say anything. You can't, I can't speak more highly of him. Yeah. Well, uh, here's, a, here's a pair of questions to finish with then, Sam, uh, because obviously it's Chelsea at the weekend uh, where if uh, City win, they, uh, they take the title. Uh, it could be Chelsea in the Champions League final. Um, what does City walk away with this season, do you think? Well, when we do the preview of the Champions League final, whether it's Chelsea or Real Madrid, I will be thinking, oh God, what if they get spaces on the counter-attack? What if they don't take the chances? But right now I'm thinking City should win it. They're going to win the Premier League, obviously. And I and I, I, I was thinking before the PSG game that this is going to be their year. They are going to do it. And like having got past PSG in the manner they got through it, nothing has dissuaded me. Look, we've not seen the Chelsea-Real Madrid game, but I do think, as I mentioned the other day, I do think Chelsea missed a big chance to get a better lead. And maybe Chelsea will still get to the final, but look, maybe they win 4-0 and everyone's thinking, oh God, this is going to be really difficult. And it would be. But I just think like that confidence we were talking about in City as a team, I've got it. You know, I'm confident that City can win the Champions League now, and I wasn't probably five or six weeks ago. So I think City are going to win the Premier League and the, and the Champions League. And like... I'm gutted for them that the semi-final and the FA Cup didn't go another way because, my God, yeah, they could have won the lot. But, you know, something to aim for next season. <laughs> but, yeah, I, no, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think they, 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 they can and, and will. Well, can, should, will win it. Well, uh, if they're good enough, they'll do it. That's, uh, that's the attitude I've got. Um, that's the end of this week's uh, special Why Always Us. Uh, I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. And, by the way, you should put Edison in midfield on Saturday because <laughs> if they're playing Chelsea in the final... Don't give them any clues. <laughs> Don't play the false nine. Like if it means if it means playing the semi final approach again with Mendy at left back and leaving torn twos at the back, just fucking let it happen. Like <laughs> let, then beat Newcastle, win the league, and then and then do something else in the final. Like just yeah, do not give Chelsea any clues if they're playing in the Champions League final. And look, Chelsea can they can they can analyse the performances against PSG and, and Dortmund and they can work out what City are likely to do, but don't show them first hand. Don't yeah. show the players. Because like we said about City on set pieces, after conceding from a set piece in the first game, they would know, they would just know firsthand what they need to look out for in the second leg. Um, and that would be what Chelsea would need to look out for. So yeah, Edison in midfield, um, I don't know, De Bruyne left back, just just don't give them any help. Just, just make it up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but look, they might win the league at the weekend and then we'll talk again on Monday. Yeah, so uh, join us for that. You can sign up for The Athletic right now for £3.99 a month for six months. Use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.